and we're back for another episode of Meatball Thoughts. Uh, I have a very special guest with me today, not solo rambles, so you're welcome, listeners. I have uh, the new mushroom, not even new mushroom guru, the fucking mushroom guru, the Ontario mushroom fucking legend, Mr. Nick Stark. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for thanks for agreeing to sit down. I appreciate the shit out of that. Um, I mean, you were you you got at me. You're like, hey man, uh, when are we gonna do this shit? <laughs> so I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Um, how long? Like, okay, so I I got introduced to you through a um, little bit of a backstory, uh, like through uh, John, who used to be part of the podcast. I mean, he still is kind of a little bit um, in a friend capacity, less co-host capacity, but. Um, he, he was telling me about you because he'd go up with you and fucking forage or, you know, you'd go on these wicked long drives and he'd just be like, dude, we just like eat McDonald's and we fucking hang out and, and we pick mushrooms and it's glorious. Um, so like, how does one, I guess the, the, certainly my first question is like, how does one dive as deep into mushrooms as you have but in very specific like you're not like you're not going to other parts of the country to fucking forage or not necessarily like you're you're sticking pretty local like aggressively local aggressively well i mean 16 hours within ontario so yeah yeah, yeah. you're still same province same province (laughs) same province for the most part yeah Yeah, i know you said you have a couple spots in quebec yeah um but like how how do you how do you get into that how does one like just did you, did you just like start hiking as a kid and you're like yo sick i found some mushrooms no 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 so um i'm a chef um, okay i started cooking when i was 14 professionally Red. um and when i was 15 i started at canoe hmm. and uh when i was there basically i met the, the mushroom when you're 15 yeah um that's a that's a solid intro to food huh solid intro jesus so maybe how old are you right now if you know what i mean 33 33 okay yeah cool so um Basically, I went out with uh, this old woman named Angela. She's an old English literature teacher, and she used to supply mushrooms to a couple of different people at the time, like Susser Lee, like Canoe, a bunch of different restaurants basically across Toronto. Yeah. And she was just, you know, an, average, uh, an avid forager and went out, and I asked her one day when I was, like, 16. I was, like, I just got, like, my G2. And uh, I asked her, and then basically I was, like, can I come with you? And uh, she invited me to her cottage. And I spent like three days with her at her cottage. Yeah, you did. And, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just and kidding. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was like my first intro to basically like learning how to identify mushrooms. Yeah. You know, learning their proper Latin names, learning their scientific names, and basically all their identifying features, mm. and, and basically going out and looking for stuff. And, and, and this is also at a time where like <clears throat> there's not super accessible high speed internet, where you're like. Did she have a bunch of books that you were using, or books, and then just like pass down knowledge, right? Yeah, like going okay. with going out with someone and them teaching you, someone who's super knowledgeable about about that subject, mm-hmm. and like them showing you the exact things of what you're looking for and what kind of landscape you're looking for, and the tree mm. associations and all that different stuff is probably the most vital to like getting into being good at foraging, absorbing what the land is telling you. Yeah. And and mm. just actually finding mushrooms because like yeah. there's a lot of forests that you can walk through and you will not find anything. Yeah. It's just like you have to know what kind of mm. the exact habitats where you're going to find the mushrooms mm. you're going to find. Okay. So. I mean, 
Okay, sorry. Like, so that's uh, <laughs> that was basically my first introductory to it, and um, very shortly after, I started picking for her because I was uh, super into it. I was like, I love this. This is great. Like, yeah. so is this all while you're working at Canoe as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, uh, at that point, like, I was pretty young. I mean, like, I had a pretty full schedule there, so like, yeah. I would only do it like you know. Did you drop out of high school? No, 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 no. So you're still going to high school, working at Canoe. Yeah, what? So I ended up doing like my co-op for my like grade uh, eleven and twelve year. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so basically, they had me as a co-op student there, but I was being paid, which was awesome. So yeah, like, yeah. it was like I did the same shit in high school. I was like, yeah, you bang out the hours in the first month. Yeah. And then everything else is just cash money. You're like, okay, cool. Now I'll just work, and it's just a job now. <clears throat> yeah. So, co-op is done. So I did a little bit of picking for her on the side where I'd just, like, bring her stuff and she'd mm. give me some money for it. And, and uh, that was, like, my first introductory to, like, selling mushrooms. Shit. And then um, I didn't do it after that for probably some time because I did quite a bit of traveling. So I was, mm. like, when I turned 19, I left and I was, like, traveling all around Europe. I did a little bit of foraging there as well uh, when I was, like, in Portugal and Spain and, and mm. throughout Germany and, and France and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, so I did a little bit there, but not really anything too serious. And then, um, when I got back, um, I was here for a very short period of time again. Mm -hmm. And then I basically, um, was in uh, New York for two and a half years. Okay. Um, and like a couple other states and just kind of bounced around the United States for a while. Yeah. And, um, when I got back, I decided to start my farm. Mm. And, uh, when I started doing my farming, um, cause basically my, like, my goal is just like a human on earth is to create the best food that I can for our local environment. Cause mm. I think that like we have an incredible talent in Ontario, but one of the major things which I feel is lacking, obviously there is great producers, but I would say about 90% of our food, I don't even want to eat. Mm. Our vegetables are pretty bad across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, our, it, it, Stuff is it just, lacks. It lacks a certain amount of respect. It's just, it's no. It's, it's not even respect. I mean, things aren't grown for flavor anymore, right? Like you mm-hmm. go down to Leamington. Like I've been to the, you know, the government research centers for mm-hmm. agriculture, and I understand what they're breeding for, right? They're breeding mm-hmm. for um, shelf Numbers. life. They're mm-hmm. breeding for production, and they're breeding for transportability, right? Yeah. Because um, you know, like for example, the tomatoes that I grow from my farm. They don't transport. If I ever yeah. wanted to send that across the country, oh. it's not possible. Not happening. They're so soft. Yeah. Well, that's like they're gonna get the diner has. We this is our first year having a farm, and it was like having the tomatoes come in. It's like if we didn't use those in the first forty-eight hours when they were good to go, it's like, I right, cool. We're turning this into some kind of a sauce because yeah. that's the like you're saying. It's like it's Absolutely. so bloody soft and, and perfect. Which is that's how tomatoes should be. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting because like. Our, our food culture is so used to that hard tomato. I dropped, like, perfectly ripe, incredible tomatoes off to chefs, and they're like, why is it so soft? Can you give me harder ones? And I'm like... Can you give me a shittier tomato, please? Yeah. Can you um, give me an underripe tomato, yeah, please? Yeah, can you give me a tomato which has been refrigerated, basically? Yeah. Because that's yeah. one of the main things that, that mm-hmm. contributes to the, the rigidity of it is the fact that it's been refrigerated mm-hmm. while it's underripe. Yeah. And that underripeness basically, like, sitting in the fridge and... And cell structure just kind of solidifies there. It solidifies, and it doesn't. the 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 enzymatic processes are stopped, mm-hmm. and like your tomato will never get that flavor back that it had when it was like fresh and never went below a certain temperature. And, you know, so I think like this whole thing really started through a journey to kind of 
find and always um, you know explore what the best ingredients and what the mm. best options I have as a chef are. Um, so you know for mushrooms and stuff like that I mean like there are some mushroom suppliers but you know they're not really working with local stuff it's all like British Columbia product I was gonna say a lot of Ponderosa shit a lot of Ponderosa you know a lot of like you well know, even just, even just, you and I like not to throw I, I love Edulis to the nth degree but the first one in the first year I'm not sure what they're using now um, who their suppliers are now but in the first year I was at Edulis they had um, because Mark's Mushrooms wasn't reliable, and to the best of my knowledge, still isn't. No disrespect to Mark, but um, he uh, he he would just had to go with Ponderosa because he wanted that. He needed to know that he could get that product. Yes, which is like the tricky thing. It's it's such a trade off. It is. It is, and it's such a trade off. And you know what? It really makes it difficult. Um, it's. I find that you know, especially with the wild product across mm. the board, it's such a difficult thing to deal with. Firstly, yeah. because of supply chain. Mm. Um, you know, some of the logistics that are involved of getting you a mushroom. Dude, people have no idea. Yeah. Those Saskatchewan chanterelles come from the middle of bloody nowhere. <laughs> like those things take <laughs> car rides and plane rides, like you wouldn't yeah. even imagine, yeah. just to get to you. Yeah. And, like, you don't even understand how close they are. They're, like, in the Arctic Circle, right? Like, it is super cold up there. It is, like, you know, and, and and you know, that's not including all the time that people spend to walk and all the logistics. Mm-hmm. It's insane. There's whole little towns that have to basically get set up there during the season to, like, yeah. get these mushrooms out of those locations. Yeah. Or even flying planes. Fuck. Like, flying communities only. Yeah. 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 Jesus. And, um, you know, like, there's... There's a lot of things, you know, so, I mean, it, it's very difficult to have, like, a very consistent supply, and um, so a lot of the reasons why I have to, like, walk 30K in a day mm-hmm. or, like, hike through that or do whatever I have to do is because of the fact that, like, you know, when you have those orders, you obviously don't want to fail your chef, so you need to basically hike until you have enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, as you grow and you get more clients and things like that, like, those demands become higher, so mm-hmm. your requirements for being able to like go out into the forest and do that they become a lot more intensive and so like during the season you know we're out there like six to seven days a week and we're doing like 14 to 18 hour days so which is like just mind-boggling for like someone who's been on let's say you know there's probably a handful of people out there who have maybe done some of this shit with you um like as intensive but like for the average person someone who's like whoa wait you're hiking for 14 hours a day yeah like no, I've yeah, brought, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. brought I've brought some like full grown adults who have like literally thought they were gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm fit as a fiddle yeah. for the most part, and I don't I I know for a fact I would fucking yeah. not now, be able to hang. Now strop. I'm now, sure I could strap, for a day, but like day yeah. in and day out, like six seven days a week. If you're going seven days a week, I'm sure there are, there are stretches in the summer where you're yeah. just like no, no no every single day for these three months. I'm going to be out there hiking constantly. Yeah. So it's like, it takes, and I think this is how, like, or I think this is why the the how is important. Like, how does one get themselves to that place where you're like, no, 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 I just have to do this. It's like, no, 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 I just have to suffer through brunch service after brunch service because, yeah, I love cooking eggs, but I don't necessarily like cooking eggs like that. Yeah, I think that definitely comes from, like, my training as a chef mm. and just like 
wanting to take the abuse. Yeah. Well, it, it <laughs> I mean, does become a little sadistic like that, right? It's, you're like, it's you're like, sadistic. how much can I hurt, but yeah. feel so fucking good? Yeah, and I mean, I think it really comes down to that. It's just kind of like masochistic, mas- masochistic, because yeah. like. You know, um, I have a couple of people who work with me now, and they come out foraging too, and they're always just like, "How tricky is that, though?" Because you're like, you got it. That person's got to be in your fucking inner circle. Because like, what if they they just like fuck off and they're like, "Yo, sweet, I've got all Nick's spots now," or I've got sixty percent of Nick's fucking foraging um, spots. I mean, there's there's legal documents that take care of. Oh, is that okay? Okay, yeah, cool. You've got. Yeah, I'm like. That's yeah, yeah. fucking legit. So they're not allowed to sell to anyone else. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. I, like, For a long period of time. And I mean, like, you, yeah. you always give them, like, you give them some to work on, but, like, you know, it's, like, more, like... You've still got, here's you've some, still got your couple you go, that are just for you. Yeah. You, I mean, you can go here, you can go here, you can go here, and then go find your own places to uh, okay. kind of bring me stuff in. And, okay. then, and I won't ask for those spots, but I'm not going to tell you <clears throat> these other 40% of my spots. Honestly, at this point now... Or, do they I know have, all your spots? No, no, no. I just, I just have so many that I can't even get to them in a season. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. So you're so like, oh, like, I haven't hit that spot like for for a like, year. Like, why don't I go back there? Yeah, and I don't that, even. It's just that's like, a nice hike. It's, kind of like, um, <laughs> it's just nice though because you, you. And the other thing is because um, the reason why sometimes I have to travel so far is mm. because you have you know. Ontario is vast, but like mm. it, there's so many microclimates, right? Like you're looking from a zone seven and a half to basically like a zone three, yeah. right? And that, that is such a huge difference in climate and yep. terrain and, and everything, right? So, you know, you have to go where the rain is basically. Um, you're, you're chasing rain, you're chasing, you know, the right temperatures, you're chasing like all these different things and all these different components that allow you to like so for the- dial in what... Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, kind of dial in like where the mushrooms are yeah. at what time. Yeah. Yeah. So like for the average person who doesn't understand what, because I know what it means when you're saying chase the rain. So what what is it about the rain that makes it easier to find mushrooms or so, what, what is it? So mushrooms require a certain amount of humidity and mm-hmm. just rainfall just to, to form their fruiting bodies because they're composed mostly of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like plants, like a lot of plants will die off if there's a drought. Yeah. Um, so it functions very similar to that. Um, the mushroom is, is the fruiting body, so it's basically like the apple of the tree. Because mm-hmm. um, there's ninety percent of it is underground, like the the yeah, the, the system ninety nine. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. If, yeah, if my not bad. more. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so it it basically um, only produces fruit when the conditions are right, and the conditions need to be moist enough. Mm. It needs enough water. Uh, at the right times and it doesn't need and also too much water is a bad thing as well mm. it you know degrades wash the quality away, of yeah. the, uh, the mushrooms and just washes them out and just like rot rot sets in that much easier yeah rots yeah. and different molds and different things like that so um yeah mm. and that's that's basically what that means with chasing the rain hmm. so like and when you're saying terrains things like that so are there better certainly like you're saying there's certain forests where um, you don't want to like the certain forests are just they're not gonna have shit. They yeah. have shit in them. And then there's gonna be certain forests like I went. I obviously I don't know even a a, a, a pinprick of the amount that you do about this stuff. But it's like I went for uh, a hike in the summertime just through uh, a forest, and I noticed I was like, oh cool, there's some chanterelles here. Like I just snag them, and my family was like. Uh, was it Sean Charles? Yeah. Yeah, it would have been. Summertime. Um, 
Now I'm thinking back. I'm like, was it a different one? Um, but it, it, I like snagging my family. It's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty fucking sure. Like I've, I've cooked these things enough times. I know what they feel like, what they look like. Like pretty sure, pretty sure. Ate them. They were great. Yeah. Didn't poison myself. Self five. I felt pretty good about that. But like, I don't know what kind of forest I was in. Yeah. Like what, what is it? Is there, is like, is like a heavy, uh, pine forest or, uh, or, or so spruce or also, maple or. It also I, really depends on where you are. Cause okay. I mean like the exact same mushroom will associate to a different type of tree and a different type of area oh, depending on where you are. <laughs> yeah, so you have to know what, what the associations are in the particular area, which takes time and networking and a lot of experience. Yeah. You know, I'm on a lot of like foraging pages and I talk to a lot of the top mycologists in Ontario and, um, you know, I regularly like deal with all these people on a pretty regular basis. We go out all the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're just always sharing knowledge between each other. Because oh, wow. like, um, so like for me, like my big one is always the Matsutake. Yeah. And I'm pretty, as far as pretty, I know, pretty fucking coveted. I'm one of the like only commercial foragers who's actually pulling Matsutake out of Ontario. Yeah. And consistently and distributing yeah. it in Ontario. Yeah. Um, well, dude, the ones you gave me the other day. I finished. I just finished them. You gave me those what five weeks ago, four weeks ago. Yeah, they were still great in my fucking fridge. It's, I just finished them like three or four days ago. I know. I gave them to uh, bananas. I gave them to another uh, chef, and uh, he's like, I overordered. He's like, I was expecting them all to go bad, and this was like four weeks ago. And I'm Dude, like, I'm like, is, was everything okay with the product? And he's like, I, you haven't ordered in four weeks, and he's like, I still have some. I'm like, are they okay? And he's like, they're unbelievable stuff. Bang it. They were amazing. <laughs> yeah. So. I like, I let them dry out for like a day or two, just like open air. <clears throat> I stuck them in this walk-in at the restaurant actually because it was just like, it's, it's a little easier. Stick them on a fucking sheet tray. You're laughing. And it was like, it was, I was I was blown away. I was like, this is wild. Like any other product ever that yeah. you'd get like it's, foraged it's just, or it's fresh yeah. it's like really Bananas fresh. It fresh. Hasn't been the thing is, is that there's no one else who's really offering um you know a, a product which has been picked within the last 24 to 48 hours mm-hmm. maximum yeah um and i mean like as my logistics get a little bit better like the quality will even get even better because like some of the problems is like just, just extracting those things mm. and getting them into the cold fast enough it's like quite the uh yeah it's quite the. There's a logistical problem. It's a logistical nightmare, um, yeah. and you know, especially when you're exhausted and like just hiked for like so <laughs> long, and then you have to drive. Like, for, and now for you're like, to get uh, well, so, you were just telling me you stuck a fucking walk-in in your house. I did two, <laughs> two, two. Double down. Double Do you have down. a garage for that? No, no, no. They're, no, they're right in, in your fucking living room. Right in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Right in my living room. Holy so yeah, I got a, I built an eight by eight by eight, and then I just bought off of a like a, a flower short uh, store that just sadly went out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought their fridge, and uh, they're like, you can have four hundred bucks, but you gotta take it apart yourself. So I yeah. basically became contractor man and ripped this thing uh, out of the path and carried it out on my back. Path. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it was terrible. It was a nightmare. It was quite the crushing day. Yeah. Um, was yeah. it worth it though? I mean, hey, it will be. You've got to walk in for four hundred bucks. Yeah, once I build Fuck. it, it's just like sitting in pieces in my house now. But Jeez, as soon as we Christ, together, <laughs> dude, that's wild. Yeah. So, so like because of this like logistical nightmare, do you end up like do you end up thinking about like contracting these things out to people, or is it, or you try and take as much of that responsibility on yourself, where you're like, 
if I got to get a, a refrigerated van or something, like I don't want to pay somebody to drive it. I I might as well just drive it if I'm going to be up there. Yeah. The, the problem is, is the problem is with scaling something like this um, is that when you have your like competitors, like for example, Mark's Mushrooms, yeah. who's basically talking about, um, you know, you're talking about like prices from British Columbia, which are like pretty cheap across the board like there, yeah. people aren't paying very much for the product because it's also not really that great yeah and well it has to travel as far it as has it has to does. travel super long and like who knows how long it's been sitting and accumulating to for people to get it because like you know people have to pick those mushrooms too and like people aren't picking like 600 pounds of mushrooms in a day they're getting like 30 pounds 40 pounds 50 pounds so sometimes like you know sometimes it'll take them Sometimes those things can sit before they actually go back to their distribution for three to four days or even longer sometimes, depending, uh, you know, the yeah. buyer, before the buyer stations actually deliver to the, the distribution centers. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, they'll sit in the distribution centers for sometimes a week, maybe even longer. So the, by the time you get them, they're just, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, well, and that's, I mean, but that's, that. it's funny because it kind of brings it back to the original thing where you're like, I want to provide the best fucking product. 100%. And if there's, if, if it's for somebody else or it's just for you to fucking eat, it doesn't matter. You're 100%. like, no, I don't want to eat shitty food. Like I want to eat the best possible food from my home that I can. Yeah. So it's like, why would, hmm. Yeah. It's like, why, why, why would somebody like agree to selling, agree to sell mediocre products? It, it like I, I understand why people do it. Well, I mean, there's just there's just um, firstly, there's there's the perception that there isn't the market for it here mm. because our like culinary scene, you know, especially on like a global scale, isn't like super developed. Yeah. Um. So there's that perception to start with, mm. and then there's just been a precedent that's been set. You know, like um, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but like you know, there is really no competitors to Mark's Mushrooms in Toronto. If you're yeah. like. If you're buying mushrooms, you're pretty much buying from Mark's Mushrooms. It's just, yeah. you know, there is a couple other people. Like, there's Artan, and there's, like, a couple other, like, mushrooms. Smaller. Per- smaller motherfuckers, but, yeah. You know, but, you know, you, your choices are so limited. Yeah. And, I mean, in any market, that's so incredibly rare. Because, like, usually by the time, you know, you develop your business, and you're running a business, and especially in a new sector, you got about two years before someone else comes up and you yeah. have competition. And you know, Mark's been operating for eight years without any major competition. I was gonna say ten. <laughs> like I remember when I first started at, so ten years ago would have been uh, Grace, which is now Dilo. Um, yeah, we we would get some shit off Mark, and it was like. Yeah, I, 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 I never, like, throughout the... And then when I was at People's, it was, like, it was still... You heard Mark's name. It was Mark's, 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 Mark's. And, like, like how long how long you have been forging and selling for? I, I don't know why I did air quotes there, but... Well, <clears throat> I was... Um, I mean, I've been doing it for... Like, technically since you're 16, but, like... But eh. I've been doing it, I would say... Like, five years? No, a little bit longer than that. Okay. About seven Okay. About seven years. So, like, like a so couple years after Mark started, you were like, yeah, oh, I, well, I see the gap here. Well, actually, it wasn't even a gap. I was, for quite some time, supplying Mark. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. So, I sold, I used uh, to sell him some mushrooms, okay. but not very many. Yeah. Um, and uh, I used to sell a lot of Wild Leaks to him and, mm-hmm. like, a lot of other products like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, he was the go to for ramps for a while. Yeah. Until Bondi started carrying them. Yeah. So, uh, um, and I supply Bondi as well. Yeah. 
Um, I'm sure I'm sure the farm will in the spring as well because yeah. we've got like a solid two acres of ramps just at the farm and it's like that's solid yeah but just make sure that they're sustainably harvested because they won't come back exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> don't worry don't worry we're, we're uh, the, the 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 owner of the restaurant and the farm and stuff like he's uh, he does he does his research um, but uh, okay interesting so you were supplying mark I was for probably four years really mm-hmm. yeah. interesting so a lot of the Ontario stuff that he did have available when it was available was coming from me okay yeah so okay. black trumpets things like that chanterelles lobster mushrooms um, I never really sold him matsutake I had enough clients always to kind of keep those to myself so yeah, um, yeah the matsutake kind of always just stayed within yeah yeah are the bluefoots popular enough that or are those just kind of like if you come by I'm you know, you there's tons of them. Is but, there? Yeah. yeah, but they're not super popular, at least along, among the chefs. So I don't really they're bother dumb, picking they're them. They're dumb, tasty. Yeah, they're like, super delicious. They're so good. Yeah, like those are the ones that lasted the longest. Yeah, from what you gave me. Yeah, they're those puffballs went first. Yeah, because they kind of like started to shrink up a bit. I was like, oh, I gotta eat this quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, interesting. So okay, so you're supplying Mark for the first few years of. The majority of your foraging. Yeah, and, and my farm, actually. So, like, really? me and we started, like, now Mark carries all kinds of, like, farm products. But, uh, I mean, initially he, like, dabbled a little bit before he dealt with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, he sold some stuff for a couple friends here and there. But, like, I really started, you know, like, the farm project with Mark. Yeah. Um, and how many was, How many acres do you have? I got 75. Fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Till, no till. Uh, no, we're pretty much no-till. We do redo our beds every uh, five years. Okay. So we have permanent beds, um, which are there. And then, um, yeah, we're just doing, like, all kinds of different uh, weird stuff. How much of that is, is forested? On my property? Yeah. On maybe an acre. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, so you're not, you're not, not even foraging much from your property? Um, we do do some of the adjacent properties. So, like, my next-door neighbor owns the next 2,000 acres oh, shit. right beside me. And that, and he's a hunter. I told him you can come on my property. And he's like, you're more than welcome to... To go and pick whatever the fuck? Yeah. yeah. So, like, a lot of the ramp patches that I manage, because, like, I also seed and replant. And, yeah. And yeah. I'm always, like, doing, uh, you know, very, very, very... Because I'm, I'm commercial foraging. And yeah. I'm not using any shovels. It's all hand-picked. Hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, you have to manage those patches to keep their health up. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's just no point. Like, you're, you're just destroying the ecosystem. So, yeah. um, so I do most of that right there on basically off the property. Mm, okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Fuck. How the... Wh- <laughs> now I'm, like, trying to... I'm just trying to wrap my head around, like, the scheduling of, like... Because I know roughly what it takes to you know kickstart a farm and then i'm sure obviously you've been doing it for a number of years now so like there is a rhythm to it and you are working with the land you're not just still trying to figure it out um i mean forever you will be always because always experimenting that nature versus nurture nature always wins yeah but um is it one of those like like are there certain times of the year where you're like yo i'm at the farm for the next two weeks and then you just trust that your foraging guys will take care of of, of those spots, of, of maintaining where no. they need to go? or Never. It's never like that. No. No. I, uh, they're, you know, my for the people who forage for me and help me do some stuff, you know, they, they do bring me some product, but yeah. I mean, like, I am the main. So you're picking 80%? If not more. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, dude. 
So especially with the mushrooms. Jesus. Especially with the mushrooms. Yeah. Well, that's that's um, that's your, your yeah, bread and so butter. I man. just try to basically like fit it in. So basically, so we pretty much are like our frost date is pretty much like June. Like first of June. Yeah. So we can't plant like where we're in the where in the farm uh, is the farm? It's in Flesherton. Which is based on southwest, Toronto. Uh, southwest of Toronto, about an hour and a half. Okay. Um, sorry, southwest of Collingwood, about an hour and a half out of Toronto. Southwest of Collingwood. Yeah. Hour and a half, maybe like an hour north of Guelph kind of thing? or. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, about that. Cool. So, um, yeah, basically, um, what we basically do is uh, I start all, some of my plants as early as January. I was going to say, and, the seedlings. Uh, yeah, some seedlings get started in January. Our onions or stuff like that get started super early. Mm-hmm. And then we are... Um, just letting those grow out. I have an indoor facility which I, I grow everything out in mm-hmm. for uh, throughout the winter, and then uh, when it comes time to um, greenhouse or like uh, barn, it's like a full uh, like indoor facility. With hydroponic like, situation. Not, no, 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 not, not quite. No, okay. no, no. We're, we're pretty much everything for the outdoors is one hundred percent soil. We're like okay. very biodynamic nice. uh, as far as that. Like we're using a lot of like inoculants and and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, um, yeah, we're basically, we don't, the, the hydro vegetables yeah, yeah. just don't taste that good. Well, no, it was more just like, uh, as, as an experiment or some shit like that. But yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I, trust me, dude, I was raising a farm. Anytime someone's like, well, I, it's, uh, I had friends they, that would, ha- yeah. th- their parents would do it. And I'd be like, when they're, when they're yeah. done, when they're done exceptionally well. Yeah, but like they they can be very close, but I, there's just some there's no of, comparison. There's something. Ah, I mean, ah. I've, I've I, met I, some of the best growers in 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 possibly the planet. Yeah, and like because I I travel to a lot of farms. It's close. It's I'm close, sure, but it's just there's something it doesn't hit the same. It doesn't, it doesn't hit, hit your heart the same. It doesn't no. hit certainly your taste buds the same. Like it'll it's close. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. So but, maybe yeah. maybe no comparison is is a bit of an overstatement, but. I'm like, no, nah, man. It's like fucking. It just hits different. It does. It just does. like, just like your mushrooms hit different. It's like, yeah, I could go to fucking Whole Foods and buy some, <laughs> you know, garbage, garbage ash wild mushrooms, or I could get them from you, and they just like just the earthiness and the perfection is right there. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. different. And so like. We've been doing a lot of different things and kind of playing around with uh, a bunch of different concepts. When I say we, I mean me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, yourself, I, and I. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, myself, and I. Yeah. Uh, one man team. I do have, thankfully, like friends who will come by and like help and uh, yeah. you know, um, you know, on those like soul crushing days, like planting day, and <laughs> you know, things like that. And yeah, um, yeah my friend uh, AJ came up this week, uh, this year, and like he saw how like crushed I was, and he like weeded my entire greenhouse for me, which I was like so thankful for. Dude, <laughs> so, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I was just like, you are a You're like saint. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't think I could do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you know, you, you just kind of like push, and like those times are super crazy and mm. like just soul crushing. You're just like going so hard for so many days in a row just to like try to get everything in on time and kind of get everything planted and um yeah so i mean like because of the fact that i don't have any migrant workers Mm. um i operate the farm by myself so um i basically your lady your lady doesn't give you a hand 
Uh, she does sometimes, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> like it's, it's definitely more it's my rare. thing. <laughs> it's, it's like you know, she's maybe been there five times all year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I've been there probably like two hundred, sometimes yeah, twice yeah. in the day. Yeah. So stop, stop by on your way up, and then on your way home. Uh, no more like go up there from Toronto, harvest an entire vehicle full of product, bring it down to the city, yeah. go back up Sell because I couldn't get yeah. it all. And then I have to come back down and do, do it in second delivery because... What, what time's your second delivery at? Like 10 p.m.? Oh, you know. <laughs> Whenever it has to Tell you roll it into yeah. spots that are like, yeah, yeah, we're open till 2. You're like, sick, I'm going to be there at like 1.30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck, uh, I've been called the night farmer before yeah, many yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, dude, literally the first time I met you at John's at Thanksgiving, you rolled up at 8.30 p.m. and we're like, hey, you guys want some mushrooms? <laughs> I was like, this is arguably the coolest fucking delivery I've ever gotten at 8.30 p.m. Yeah, I am the sketchy mushroom guy who walks in your door at yeah. like, the middle of the night. Dude, yeah. and all literally, we were so we were 10 minutes away from eating, and you, all you had to do was wait there for 10 minutes, and we could have given you a plate of food. Nah, nah. We were so bummed. I was just like, because I went back in to check the, the chicken that we were roasting for the two of us, and I was just like, oh, man, it's done now. Like, it's coming out to rest. Like, it could have just... <laughs> oh, well. But, um, man, so like what, so like what, what are, what are some of the, some of your favorite kind of things to do at the farm? I mean, like, uh, not do, but, uh, grow obviously tomatoes. Wow. Tomatoes are a fucking banger. Tomatoes are definitely like one of the biggest things. And that for me definitely stems from like my childhood. Yeah. Um, so like first couple years of my life, I was actually like deathly allergic to everything on fucking planet earth really yeah like i had like a laundry list of like oh, you were the bubble kid i was a bubble kid Fuck. and like Bummer. so uh i spent the first couple years of like my life in portugal with my grandparents and like they were helping me re- be raised because i was having a lot less are you, you portuguese i am portuguese hey. um and uh so i was having a lot less reactions in portugal than i was in in canada uh-huh. the food was uh-huh. just different i wonder why yeah because my grandmother was going to the farmer's market every yeah. single day yeah. so she had a restaurant and i was basically raised above the restaurant i like lived there and it was a huge monster monster restaurant like a thousand seat patio like it was a beast they do like 32 kegs in a night it was wild um so that's where i grew up Jesus. <laughs> um, and so until age what until i was about four and i came here for school mm. Uh, and by that point, it, I, a lot of my allergies have already subsided, and I just had, like, mild reactions to stuff, like, no more, like, hospitalizations kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, that flavor of, like, having a tomato that was grown on, like, the Iberian Peninsula, like, in the perfect climate. Yeah, and, like, it's fucking red, etched in your that, fucking brain. I just, I would try them here, and I would just be like, what? is this this isn't like, what you're what saying it is yeah. and you're fucking lying to me <laughs> yeah like don't appreciate it yeah so Jesus. you know for me it was like what is this it's like and um you know so i took this uh, like whole voyage on and kind of basically started this farm because my goal was just to try to produce that tomato again and try to bring mm. some of that magic back into food again mm. And, um, so for me, that's basically like how the voyage started and how, you know, like the tomatoes were one of the really exciting things. And then, you know, just kind of like really, uh, diving back into a lot of like really old heirlooms that mm. have been basically totally kiboshed from our commercial market yeah. because of the fact that they don't transport well or yeah. they or don't look not good pretty. or they're not pretty or yeah. whatever it is. And, you know, just this doing carrot a is lot an of research. This carrot is an orange. Yeah. Just spending winters, you know. 
spending winters basically researching and researching and researching and, mm. and you know trying things from all farms all over the place and I've been very very fortunate to have been able to travel a lot um, made some good connections I made some really good connections um, you know like I was brought out to Sri Lanka and I like got to talk to the Minister of Agriculture there and I got all kinds of really awesome seeds and like connections through right. through um, through like Sri Lanka and and um, through a I, dishwasher that you had back <laughs> in the day or like no, what no, no, no. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine I met uh, who was doing international business at UFT and uh, so we started a little business so where we bring over spices from yeah. Sri Lanka. We haven't done it since the pandemic started, but mm. um, things are starting to kind of normalize again and uh, definitely looking to start that back up again. Let's go. Yeah. So Very exciting. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've just been fortunate to just be exposed to so much different food and, mm. you know, seen so many different cultures. And I've met a lot of incredible farmers, especially in the United States. They have some awesome farms out there, man. Yeah. Like Long Island. Uh, one of my friends from um, Long Island, he's an incredible farmer. Like, okay. awesome. His name's uh, Dave Falkowski. He's from Open Minded Organics. Okay. Don't know it, but I will absolutely look it up. He's an amazing farmer yeah. uh, one of the tightest like farms I've seen it's just like so well run the product tastes absolutely phenomenal and I was just like you know that when I had his tomato in New York it was like an aha moment for me like uh, it was like this can be done here you're like oh shit oh shit yeah like, <laughs> this can be Mother, done yes. here <laughs> this can be done here and you know and then just like taking like what he was able to teach me and then like the things mm -hmm. that I've learned and over the years and then you know we've gotten to tomato which is just like you know in my opinion exceptional and i mean i don't like the i don't i'm not a i don't like to gloat about it but i mean i don't think yeah. there's a better tomato yeah you grow a damn fucking good tomato yeah so um and yeah you know and i've had i've, I've had a few of your tomatoes they're fucking they're banging man yeah they're, they're like i know john john had them in the summertime there and i would whenever i'd be over at his place he'd be like yo fucking eat this and i'd be like oh, let's go yeah i mean that's fucking delicious man yeah and so that's what we're going for and you know it really comes down to like seed selection and then hmm. you know are you seed saving uh we do some seed saving and we yeah. do some crossbreeding okay cool so Fun. some of the stuff that we had this year was from um from crossbreeds and they're you know they're exceptional huh. yeah nice um it's exciting and uh, yeah, so other exciting things. Um, I really love like a great ground cherry. I just started harvesting those actually now. Um, those are those are awesome. Um, for the for the average person, would describe what a gooseberry. Okay. Um, a gooseberry, the little things that have the brown husk yep. in the store yeah, that yeah. you like puff up and they're orange. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so there's really good versions of those yep. that taste absolutely phenomenal yeah. and like <clears throat> have like just the craziest different nuances and like all sorts of weird like mm. notes to them and because i'm 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 used to the ones those like the yellow terrible after we're yeah. done here i'll give you something in my car oh sick um, <laughs> i'm like i'm used to those ones but i have tasted a couple of like really proper ones and i was blown away i was just like what yeah. the fuck how is that that like yeah. It, it it does become such a such a mind fuck when you're like but it can be this so why isn't it this because like why don't we give a fuck about this well because you know um north america i mean like because it, it is a north american cultural thing like you know what it, it is a global more, thing for sure it's but more of an ontario thing you think so yeah i mean definitely really? east coast thing because like if you go to new york mm. there's so many incredible small farmers if you go to British Columbia, like, 
yeah, polluted. Yeah, dime a dozen. Right? California, yeah. same thing. You know, yeah. Oregon, like all the Pacific Northwest, it's more of like a, you know, centralized prairies and centralized mm. states things where things are just kind of like across the board, blase. Blah, yeah. And, and not to say I don't, you know, I don't yeah, want to take no, away from no, any of those no, small no producers. No knock in the, no knock in the not, corn farmers, but... <laughs> I'm not... Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know... They're as, still on their hustle, too, but... Yeah, and, you know, they, they play their part, and they're doing their thing, but, like, yeah, I, I just try not to... Um, yeah, that stuff just doesn't taste good. Yeah. You know, it's just... And, yeah. and, and you know, Ontario is just... Um, yeah, our, our supply chain, as far as, like, food is concerned, we're so dependent on imports to start with. And mm-hmm. then, like, the only things that we don't get that, are, that aren't that are uh, imports are grown commercially. And, you know, the, the margins for those farmers are so small. I feel terrible for apples. them. Apples. No, no, not just apples, but, yeah. like, Leamington tomatoes, things yeah. like that. Like, their, their margins are minuscule. Yeah, they're shite. And so, I mean, like, if they're not getting, like, absolutely astronomical volume... It's just not, it's not viable for them. And it's just, you know, it really comes down to, like, really changing the idea of how we buy our food. Mm. And, <clears throat> I mean, that's, like, it's a huge goal. But, like, my goal is hopefully before I, like, depart this world to change how people think about food in Ontario. Yeah. And how people are purchasing food in Ontario. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I've been pushing to do and just kind of proving different small models on a smaller scale and eventually I plan on growing, but, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's those baby steps, man. And the beauty of it too is you're fucking 33. Yeah. I got like, a lot of time. Hopefully. Yeah, you got time, man. I mean, no, but anybody who gets as much fresh air as you do, you got time, son. <laughs> like we're not, I'm, I'm 30 right now. And I'm like, in the last couple of years, just from. It is interesting because before this, we were talking about uh, a little bit about kids and stuff like that. And, like, I love kids. I love my niece and nephew. But, and I love my family till the ends of the earth. Like, I am so, I, I love them to death. But, like, the mentality that I see every single one of my family members have, where they're just like, except for my mom. My mom is like hippie to the max without the drugs. She is so of the earth that it's like, it, it, it puts, most chefs to shame and she's a fucking physio um but she's like you know she makes her own like little tinctures of heal all and um and and nettles and things like the farm i grew up on she planted a couple of nettle plants and within 20 years there was two acres of fucking nettle and you're like you can't what the fuck (laughs) you can't fucking do that um to the point where we like control burned like an acre and a half of nettle and I then probably it, didn't even kill it no it came back well, even stronger even stronger it, <laughs> yeah. it was delicious yeah um or i didn't even eat it at the time because i was like yeah it's itchy good problems to have right it's like shit that now i'm like fuck yeah god damn it why didn't i know about this shit like i would have been using that like fucking spinach yeah um but like this idea of you know in in the winter this past winter um even though it was during covid i was like you know i'd still go over and see them and stuff and my niece would she'd give me like a blueberry and be like here do you want a blueberry and i'm like no and she'd be like what why like we ate blueberries in the summertime it's like yeah well uncle tomas doesn't eat blueberries and strawberries unless they're in season and she's like what what's in season and i'm like and then i'm trying to educate a fucking three-year-old and you're like you're not gonna retain any of this right now but um especially with all the mentalities that are in the household and it's like 
even recently, like, I I was like, you know, I eat a lot of rice. And I'm like, fucking rice doesn't come from here. Okay, switch it up to quinoa. I can get Canadian quinoa. Like, it's not from Ontario. I got to kind of take take the take the lumps on that one. But yeah. it's like, or bananas. Yeah. I fucking love bananas. But, like, bananas don't fucking come from here. Yeah. Like, potatoes do. I can get, I can get Ontario potatoes. For sure. That's not hard. Yeah. Um, I, I think... Uh, it's like... I think that, too, like... I'm trying to kind of change that model. Mm. You know, we have so much land here. Yeah. And I mean, you know, most of, most of it's forest and fucking lakes. Tons. Yeah, but yeah. you know, there's compared Ton, to tons of farmland too. Tons of farmland. Yeah. Yeah. Tons, millions and millions of acres. Yeah. And you know, we grow tons of grains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, but if you look at places like China, you know, they have entire vast areas covered in greenhouses. And, you know, like, technology nowadays, like, you can keep a greenhouse, like, warm without heating it, like, throughout the winter, you know? There's so many different things that kind of, you know, are, are not really, like, pushing the boundaries because I find farmers, in general, um, are very reluctant to evolve mm. because they're so well, they're stuck like, on... This, the, this worked for this, the generation before and this, the generation This is before. what worked and this is what works and I don't want to really change it. I'll just this keep is, buying these seeds and... This is the seeds, you know, and... Oh, oh, this one, I have to get this one because this one's now resistant to this chemical that I'm using on the fucking... Yeah, but, you know, and it's yeah. it's it's definitely super difficult to... Because, um, I mean, the chefs aren't demanding a different product either, which mm. which really doesn't help the, the thing, you know? Like, if people stop buying bad products... We They'd stop growing bad products. They would stop growing bad products, yeah. and you within know, a generation. And and uh, I think it one really, hope. really, really comes down to like chefs being more aware about the products that they're buying and not being afraid to like spend a tiny bit more mm-hmm. to have someone, you know, grow that vegetable with love yeah. versus, you know, do that. And you know what, I find across the board. If your experience that you're providing to your guest is superior, which it is because you're providing them a superior yeah. product, they're happy to pay. Yeah. There's nothing I like. I would there's pay. Definitely, there, there's definitely some customers that are like, "Why am I paying?" <coughs> that's fine. They don't have to get it. But the other, you know, maybe the other sixty-five percent of the people that are going to walk through the door, they but, do get it. But you know what? And they're about I'm, it. I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. Once they have that really great product, they're going to go back to the other stuff, and they're going to be like, "This doesn't taste right." Yeah. Oh, and I should go back there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's their why minds will become changed that's, eventually. That, like that's why this place, like even when you came in, you know, you gave the diner a really great compliment. Um, it, yeah, White Oli is awesome. <laughs> one of the best. One of the best meals you'd had in a while, right? And yeah. it's like, um, and I, I hear that. I, I do my best to not be like, oh, thanks. I, I did all that. It's like I didn't do any of that. Um, but it's like you. When you when 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 you when you hear that when you're like, oh shit yeah like people actually do get it, they do get it and they will come back and it's like this place is thirty seats, but it's rammed like constantly. It's like with, I would say sixty five to seventy percent is yeah. regulars. Yeah. And you're like, and then the other forty percent is those regulars being like, oh yo, come check this, like come eat these eggs. They're not even like, like they're Conestoga eggs. They're not phenomenal, but it's a good fuck. It's definitely better than like. Yeah. A fucking uh, you know ma- maple leaf bullshit 100%. egg, right? So it's like, it is what it is. But it's like, 
Yeah, yeah, no, okay, okay. Yeah, I think eventually... I want, I, I just want people to just, like, fucking... But that's also the thing, too, right? Is, like, if you have... If you just eat what's in season, like, yeah, sure, winter's boring. Or not boring, really. You got fucking beets, you got cabbage, you got potatoes, well, you got onions, you got I mean, to a garlic, extent, you got lots of shit. To a certain extent, I don't think... I mean, like, I love the whole local thing, but, like, yeah, yeah our season, at least, and, you know, for the foreseeable future, at least until according to Harvard, like, 2050. You know, we we're not going to really have... Um, Come on, global warming. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're not really going to have, you know, um, stuff through the winter. So, I mean, like, I think it is also yeah. important to support, you know, other communities that are producing food for us as well. But it's also to value them and, like, mm-hmm. to also support the quality coming in on the import side as mm-hmm. well. Because there are amazing farmers all across the planet yeah. who need support and also... Um, you know, need your products. So, like, I mean, I'm not against, you know, someone getting something from somewhere else. I mean, of course, there's so many negative connotations that come with that, you know, the transportation, the mm-hmm. CO2 emissions, you know, but at the same time, like, as, you know, our system, as it stands now, cannot support us through the winter. Mm-hmm. So, we yeah. are dependent on... Yeah, a certain amount of import. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. eventually, I would... It'd be lovely to reduce that import next to, like, a negligible amount. Yes, yes. I mean, but there are certain things that will come in, and you know what? You know, There's nothing wrong with that, you know, in my opinion. And, you know, as things become more efficient... <laughs> we have to preface all of this with, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. You know, I think that, <clears throat> you know, at the end of the day, like, um, you know, we've become very accustomed to walking into a grocery store and seeing you know, a huge variety of things from all over the planet. Yeah. And that's simply what it is, you yeah. know, it's, um, and, you know, eventually I'd like to see, you know, a lot of those things kind of vanish and become more local. But at the same time, like there's some stuff that, you know, just won't grow here even after, mm-hmm. you know, there's tropical. Yeah. There's tropical fruits, bananas, any citrus, literally yeah. any citrus. But I mean, like, as, as things become more commercialized and as monocropping like, and things like that become more prevalent, you know, I I think, you know, just like we just ha- went through a pandemic, you know, there's massive, massive supply chain issues happening all mm-hmm. across the earth right now. Yeah. You know, there's all kinds of diseases going through the citrus groves where they're having to kill off thousands of acres of citrus banana plantations that are being affected by these strange funguses Mm -hmm. i can't remember exactly what the name is so i'm not going to even try to say it nature versus nurture man but you know when you put you know a hundred million fucking banana plants beside each other they're going you know shit's gonna go squirrely and when it does it's gonna spread like wildfire and so you know, there's no there's no biodiversity to hold it back. There's no biodiversity, and I mean, like, yeah, it's just like it's basically like gain of function training for like a fungus or a yeah. virus that's passing through the plant because it's getting to go through like a thousand. Did you say passing through the planet? Well, yeah, because as a passing. <laughs> I know. I know. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I am. We're on COVID. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh man, but like, hmm. So I mean, like, as that happens, you know, there's more and more. It's just, yeah, I think there's the diversity on farms and getting back to, you know, how people used to farm Mm -hmm. and diversity in our diets, you know, like 
Um, it's some sort of crazy statistic, but we used to eat like a huge amount of more foods than what we do now. And like now, it's like sixteen like main staple crops that are form like the majority of people's uh, diets. Ugh. So, and I think I, don't I say oh, but it's probably my fucking think, diet too. As far as I know, it was like I think a hundred and like fifty years ago, it was thousands. Yeah. And now we're down to like sixteen. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, like, and it makes sense, oh, right? Like, it's so disheartening, though. It, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, it to, isn't to a degree. <clears throat> I mean, like, you know, You're like, wow, the human condition the, is fucking cool that we've the, the green done this. The Green but. Revolution has allowed, like, you know, like the mass production of grains and and you know cereal crops mm. is what allowed like cities to get to seven million, eight million, you know, like huge, mm. huge population densities because there wasn't the capacity to feed. Yeah. those kind of cities before so i Very mean true. like to certain extents um you know it's incredible because it's allowed for a lot of the modern innovation and and progression of like us as a human society but at the same time like now that we've kind of like got to that now there's no food shortage in the world i'll tell you that much mm-hmm. you know it's just the way it's distributed mm. um there's no food shortage there should really be no need for anyone on earth to be going hungry. Mm-hmm. If you just took a look at how much food goes to waste being in grocery stores like Loblaws and things like that, it's astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. Astronomical. Mm. You know, they're processing that stuff, you know, and and the food that doesn't even make it to Loblaws, like you go to places like France and the stores have options for you to buy seconds. Mm. No seconds make it into any stores here. No one's supporting the, this this thing, you know. And you know, firstly, it's a more affordable vegetable for people who are struggling. It's yeah. you it's, still get fucking veggies. You still get veggies, yeah. and you're not like you still have you, healthy not, foods in your diet. Not you still have relying foods. on dog exactly. shit. And and you know the the other big thing is that it also allows farmers to sell that because mm-hmm. you know, and this is something I talk to people about all the time. You know, like. Uh, you know, my tomatoes, because of the way they are, they're super tasty, but the reason why people stop growing them is because of how delicate they are and how susceptible they are to a small crack, to a, an imperfection, to this, to that. And that, for me, makes it unsellable mm. for the majority of the clientele. And it's just about, like, educating people that, like, you know what, you can cut away a small piece of, like... Yeah. Just trim it, bitch. but i mean when people when people don't want to do that it's very difficult to kind of like push that so i mean like for every good half the veggies we get from the farm was like it was you know if he was selling heads of lettuce and he had to trim down like you know the the five or six bigger outer leaves to make it a little nicer we just use that shit it's like that's what we're using on the farm, and it tastes the fucking same. It tastes exactly the same. We're just using the trim, actually, or the ugly carrots, you know or what? the fucking you know what? There's, you know so whatever there's, it is. Um, there's a saying in France, like the uh, vegetables of suffrage, and basically it's a concept where you take a vegetable hmm. and you put it into an environment where it is struggling to grow, hmm. and the idea behind it is that because it's been struggling to grow it puts a lot more energy and it's producing a much more intense vegetable. Okay. And so, like, other farms have done this and, like, places like Chef's Garden um, mm-hmm. and, like, Blue, um, <coughs> uh, Blue Storm uh, or Blue Hill Farm. And, you know, um, it's... It works, man. Like, mm. 
because of the fact that I don't have any labor on the farm, um, a lot of my vegetables just get the, the suffrage treatment. Like inadvertently inadvertently torturing vegetables. Inadvertently, uh, you caught yeah, me. Yeah, um, they're struggling. They, don't tell the them, vegans. Don't tell them, the vegans, okay? A lot of them have to struggle to produce just because, like, I can't keep up with weeding as one person for, yeah. you know, doing five acres right so i have a lot five of, acres i have a lot of one perm- person five acres i have a lot of per- permanent beds jesus fuck. <laughs> jesus I do dude a lot of walking fucking hey get those uh, steps in i do i do um you bulking up for the winter then <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to keep it slim this year okay <laughs> um but uh but yeah so like when when you're doing that, it's, um, you know, you, you really do get a very superior quality vegetable, but then again, mm-hmm. like, then your yields are reduced because it's just, it's not, you know, a thriving vegetable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there definitely is um, a quantifiable uh, difference in the vegetables. Fucking like, a. even, like, measuring the brick values, like, some of the ones mm-hmm. that are coming out of, like, what I was saying, like, the suffrage vegetables, yeah. um, you know, they are higher brick values. And, you know, brick values are kind of like a little bit of a combination of science and mystery and folklore. You know what I mean? No, there's no, like, concrete um, way that anyone can tell you to raise bricks. Okay. Um, Apart from, obviously, like, once the nutrition of the plant is dealt with, people don't really know exactly what you can do to make the quality of that or make the bricks value inherently increase. Ah. Um, Interesting. So, like, there's so many different factors that kind of, like, play in part to that. Yeah. Um, so but from, from what you found, the, the suffrage is, is the way to go? They can definitely. So, like, <laughs> I did I did, um, I did a couple of uh, cloves of garlic um, that basically I planted and have pretty much gone wild okay. over the last four, maybe four or five years. Okay. So they've just kind of just kept coming up in my field and... You gotta really look for them because they look like a blade of grass. They're like the tiniest little things you've ever seen. Okay. It's incredible. Like a whole, like a, a whole head of garlic is like the size of a clove. But I tested those um, so cute. three years ago, <laughs> and um, I had to use a dairy bricks moder- uh, meter to test them because their okay. sugar content was so high. Fuck. It was really? 120 bricks. Jesus hundred and twenty bricks. That was like me snapping the the, Fuck. the the stalks off and then putting a drop of the um, water basically from the scape that yeah, always yeah, comes yeah, out yeah. when you harvest scapes. Putting a drop of the water that comes from the stalk from the scape right onto a, the, a dairy bricks meter and it was hundred and twenty. Jesus Christ. And just for context for people, like what is that comparable to a strawberry out of the store is eight. <laughs> Let's fucking maple go syrup son. is seventy. So, uh, just to give you context, one hundred and twenty is almost like double the sugar syrup. content of fucking maple syrup. That is insane. Yeah, that's bananas. Yeah, so like it's having like, stuff like it's that like garlic is candy, super son. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's also in like a part why like garlic reacts so like violently in the pan right yeah um dude but yeah please tell me you confused some of that and just like ate it like fucking confit candy no no but i ate some raw and it was intense yeah i don't doubt it like i fucking it was like i felt like like my goddamn mescaline trip or some (laughs) shit you're like what am i doing man (laughs) yeah it was 
next to like otherworldly but yeah and then comparing that to the one that grew in my field which still tested at 60 which is incredible yeah but i was gonna say that's gotta be higher almost, than the average it's almost double yeah so Fuck. uh you know what surprisingly garlic usually tests super high like really, really high. even like shitty chinese garlic mm, i'm not sure i've never tried like yeah. testing like a live uh sample from, yeah. from that but yeah super super high in general they're very high sugar content yeah well, it is the, I think it's the highest sugar content of any vegetable. Is it? Yeah, mm. I believe so. No. Like, globally, it's just, that's why chopping garlic is the fucking worst job in the world. Yeah. Um, we are sitting at just shy of an hour. Um, I know, I gotta go to bed. Yeah. Those bags under your eyes are not getting any smaller. No. <laughs> um, I'd love to sit down with you again. Yeah, for Have sure. Have you back any fucking time, man. Cool, man. Maybe if you're if you're if you're around over the winter, yeah. I know certainly in the spring and the summer you're not gonna be in the city, so not too much. Um, maybe over the winter we can sit down another time or two. Yeah, I'd love that. But uh, I really appreciate you. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. bye for now, everybody.